it's me, I'm back again, insensitive with Marcy. I'm back to chat about my life with macular degeneration and sight loss. On today's show, I thought we would chat about the two most common questions that I get asked. What are they? Also, we'll take another look in my kitchen. In the previous episode, we made a cup of tea together which got me thinking there are a couple of other aids in my kitchen which I think you might be interested in. They certainly help me to stay safe when I'm trying to cook. But let's get serious for a few minutes. There are actually three questions that I get asked most commonly. I wonder if you can guess what they are. You may have even asked them to me yourself. I know that I asked one of them when I was talking to a blind person back in the early days of my sight loss. Well, what do you think they are? Number one, how do I manage? Number two, what percentage of sight do you have? And thirdly, I thought I'd mention the what can't you do now that you could do when you were sighted and miss? Let's talk about the how do I manage question. It is such a big question. Everything I do is really about managing, about staying safe. I walk a very fine line between what is safe and normal and coping to not coping and being frustrated. That is why familiarity and routine is very important. So how do I manage? When I first became visually impaired and was put in contact with the RNIB support worker, um, we had an initial meeting and she was totally blind. Uh, And I was told when we were introducing ourselves, she'd said to me she'd just come back from maternity leave. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder how she manages. So after we had a little chat and I'd processed this thought, I said to her, how do you manage with a young baby? And she said, I said, you know, things like um, changing a nappy. And she said to me, plenty of wet wipes. And that, I thought, I'd never considered what somebody does with a youngster. As... Most people who are sighted probably have never considered um, many of the things that I manage to do. So how do I manage? And, you know, it's impossible for me to cover everything in one podcast. So as time goes on, I will tell you the different areas in which I manage. But firstly, I thought on this podcast, we would talk about walking and walking and staying independent is really important for me. As I referred to in my previous podcast, I do use a white cane um, when I'm in crowds and out and about on my own in shops um, and places like that. It's funny about using a white cane. For me, I resisted using one for a very long time. Um, for me, it 
stereotyped me. And I felt that when I used it, just walking down the street, I would, in my head, fall into this category of blind. Um, and it was almost like a prop. And my head was saying, you don't really need it. You don't really need it. And yet, when I'm waiting for a bus, I clearly did need it. Uh, so, for me, to be able to walk safely, for example, around the village in which I live, initially I need to be accompanied so that I can learn the route. So, on my daily walk now, which I can do on my own, I know the footpath, I know the cracks in the footpath, I know where the crossings are and how to use them safely, where's the safest point for crossing. I know the width of footpaths so that is it possible to pass somebody safely on the footpath, especially in this day of social distancing, which is where the white cane comes in very handy. So really for me, it's about memorising where I'm walking. And I call it memory mapping. It's no real term, it's just something I've put together. But I remember the stairs, for example, the steps, what type of step they are, how narrow the tread is, or how wide the step is. Um, and I do that wherever I go. But it's the unexpected that can throw me so for example if a footpath is closed off for maintenance or if I have to cross the road to the other side then that is very difficult and I need assistance I can identify gates and posts and I know that some driveways are not as safe to cross they might be potholes um, in the footpath and one of the biggest menaces is dog poo yes because I can't tell whether it's litter or leaves or what is on the footpath I have to try and avoid all these little obstacles which makes my walking challenging so please if you are a dog owner pick up after your pooch it makes my life much easier so that was about walking Let's have it take a minute to talk about how I manage around the house. The most important thing that I want to try and explain so that listeners can understand how I manage is that my brain tells me I can still do everything. Everything I did when I was sighted, it still thinks I can do. However, it's my eyes that stop me from doing it. And it's a, it's a bit of a dilemma because my brain tells me I can read. I know how to read. It's just that my eyes can't. When it comes to things like cleaning around the house, I can clean. I can go along and vacuum and, you know, do all the cleaning that one does. I always joke that I can smell dust. And I have a lovely husband who follows along behind me and cleans what I miss. We work well together. He also, by the way, loves bleach. I'm very fortunate that I have a husband who absolutely loves cleaning the kitchen. In fact, he loves bleach so much that if it was aftershave, I'm sure he would dab it on. He had a job recently whereby he used to travel around Europe. 
and it always used to amuse me that the minute he got into the house, he would put his suitcase at the door and just walk straight to the kitchen and start cleaning. And he tells me it's therapy. I said, long may it last, because he just loves it. So I don't really have to worry about hygiene, clean cleanliness. He's the one that does it. I know our son loves it when we visit him because he knows that his kitchen too is going to get a thorough clean with bleach. Anyway, that aside, I can vacuum, but I can't tell you how well I've vacuumed. That's where Dave comes along behind me and just finishes up, as he says. The other thing about managing, especially in the kitchen, is that I need things to stay in the same place. Now, David loves to be organised and he likes rearranging. So I can go to a cupboard to look for a plate to find that the plastic bowls have been put there. Or he can put things up high away and I can't tell. I don't know where they've gone. Keeping things in the same place is very important, as is keeping cupboard doors closed. Now, there's been a number of times when we've been clearing the dishwasher and putting things away but the cupboard door hasn't been closed and I haven't seen it. And guess what? Yep, you know what? Well, there was a head colliding with a door. And a lot of people don't think, oh, I've left the, the cupboard open or the drawer open. Um, and that's just, it's a practical, safe practice that we have had to get into. Most of my difficulty, however, is done with reading and television. And I'm not going to cover that on this episode because I have some really, really special aids that I want to take time to tell you about because it really excites me what technology does. But for now, that's how I manage around the home. I can do it. I just can't see it. Second question. What percentage of sight do you have? I never know how to answer that question. I don't have a clue. I don't know how to measure vision in percentages because for me I don't see the same thing out of each eye. I rely on what I do see to try and make a complete picture. One eye I just see straight out the side. The other eye I see out of the side but it's all distorted, all wriggly lines everywhere so nothing looks straight. So I don't know how to tell you what percentage of vision I, I have. The other thing about these questions is I don't like talking about my sight loss and when p questions like what percentage of vision do you have I always try not to answer in a percentage because I don't like talking about it to be honest um, and it seems strange doesn't it that somebody who doesn't like talking about their sight loss or themselves for that matter is actually sharing their disabil my disability with the whole world but maybe it's part of the process of coming to accept my sight loss. Who knows? Anyway, thirdly, which I thought I'd put this question in, what can't, can't I do now that I did when I was sighted and what do I miss? Well, the big thing for me is driving. I got my driver's license when I was 15. I lived in a different country and that was that is still the law. So I'd been driving for 30 plus years and I loved driving. I just, the independence that it gave me, I have driven all around the world and it was just something that was part of my life which I totally enjoyed. I was a very confident driver and it was just something I loved. It gave me that sense of independence and that's what I miss. The, I miss the fact that I can't just go 
to the shop when I need to pop out or I can't go to town to browse or you know that that type of um that type of independence so now when I want to go to M&S for a pair of knickers I've got to take somebody with me fortunately I have very good friends female I might add that will happily come with me and assist the other huge big thing that I've had to learn is to accept help. I think within all of us, we like to do things for ourselves. And me, being very independent, really struggled with this. But asking for help is something that I have learned. The other thing I've learned is to accept help. If I think to myself, if somebody is kind enough to offer to help me in whatever capacity, then if I need it, I should accept it. And it becomes more difficult, funnily enough, I find, when it's strangers. So, to ask for help in shops, or ask somebody on the street to direct me, or tell me the name of the road that I'm on. That was a very big learning curve for me. Friends, not so much. If they're willing to come and pick me up and take me out, or help me around the home should I need it or if they are the emergency contact if Dave is not available then I accept their help graciously and am thankful for it. I think that's enough of that for now so let's head back to my kitchen and check out what other aids help me. The first aid would be a speaking or talking thermometer. Now it may not have occurred to you that actually I can't tell when food is cooked. So when I'm fumbling around trying to get dishes out of the oven, for me to be able to tell whether it's cooked from pasta to rice dishes to custard, rice pudding, anything that needs baking, cakes even, I have to put my face so close to the dish that the steam or spits of fat or water splash would burn. It would be unsafe. So you need to rely on the speaking thermometer. It does what it says on the label. You simply put the prong into the food and it tells you the temperature. And at that point you can decide whether it's cooked or not. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I upload photographs of the aids that I have been explaining. Go over and check it out. You might even find a video or two. A couple of other aids that I just want to quickly uh, tell you about is something that is in everybody's kitchen, not just the visually impaired as a food processor. The one I have is real simple and basic. It has one switch that flicks to the right um, and it just slices or grates or mixes, whatever I need it to do. You see, you wouldn't want me to be anywhere near sharp knives. That's not really a good mix. But there are times when you need to have things sliced, um, vegetables and fruit or whatever. So this is the safest way, I find, uh, for me to manage that task. The other thing that I endeavour to get is a speaking 
measuring jug. You know the plastic measuring jugs that you get? You can never see the indentations on it. So the measuring jug, it's not cheap. I think it's about 60 quid, but it comes from, again, the RNIB. And it is also battery operated. It just tells you as the liquid goes up. So again, check out the RNIB for your kitchen aids. The other day, my husband Dave and I were preparing lunch. On the menu for that day, amongst other things, was a salad. Now, David's usually around the kitchen when I'm there as my safety patrol. You see, I can't see whether the gas is on or not. I can hear it, but I can't see it. And there have been a number of occasions when the smell of burning plastic or the sound of exploding eggs has occurred. But anyway, that's another story. On this day, we were preparing a salad and I thought we had a lettuce in the bottom drawer of our fridge. He trundled off to the fridge, opened the door and was looking around the shelves. Closed the door and he said to me, we don't have any lettuce, I don't think. And I said, yes, we do. It's in the bottom drawer. He went back to the fridge, opened the door, had a look, lifted a green object out and came towards me. He said, is this what you mean? And I just fleetingly said, yes. To which he moved closer and said insensitively, well, if you would look, you will see that this is not a lettuce. It is a watermelon. Hi, Marcy, you little fat dog. I loved your um, podcast and it was so nice hearing my favourite Kiwi's voice again. And um, you're a brave lady doing that and putting your voice out online. So I will be listening to you. Love you, Mars. Bye. Well, that's it for this show. I know that's insensitive of me, but I can't keep wittering on forever. So please do me a favour. Write me a review. Comment, like and share. Keep listening on your favourite podcasting platform. And until next time... See you later.